will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You. You may need to give us a moment. We've been out on the town flocculating and we need to catch our breath. I was flocked on both sides to begin with and now I don't even know where I'm not flocked. I know. It's quite incredible. <sighs> that, of course, was Miss Lucy Boyers, pack leader, First Mordor Scouts Club. Joining me also, Mr. Dave Convery. Just a man gradually throwing the contents of a bucket of glass eyes off the roof of this building. Good evening. And I am Roger Hart, who has not forgot about Dre and is frankly tired of you asking. If you would like us to fix you, you can contact us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com. That's the electronic mail, don't you know? Ooh. Fancy. Oh, it is. Now, also fancy is today's question. Dear Fixers, our questioner writes, I am frequently bothered by people, ostensibly friends, imitating me. People say that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, but it happens to me so frequently that I just find it disorienting and upsetting. Often it's people who appear to have an unstable sense of themselves, but I don't feel that should give one leave to wholesale copy and paste another person's personality traits, interests, mode of speech, anecdotes, and style onto oneself. Then again, it's excruciatingly difficult to tell what is the result of benign social enabling, what appears to be new, emergent, copied personality traits are just things that were there all along but are now okay to express, and, and, and what is just some weird precursor to stealing my skin while I sleep and wearing this has happened to me thrice in the past four or so years. One person took bits of my hair and kept them in a box. Another has made a votive to me on their altar at home. The problem clearly lies with me. How do I stop this from happening? Best wishes. Anonymous. Some of this fix actually reminds me of little bits of the um, LBGT outreach I used to do as a student. Particularly sort of a bit the unstable self stuff. Like, folks would latch on, especially if you're highly visible in some way, charismatic or weird, or just somehow somehow visible. And sometimes it's the, the latent stuff, sometimes it's kind of a precursor. Like, um, so, in, in the question you call out this thing of latent personality traits that being around you has perhaps made them a, more able to express. Mm. It may not be copying, it may be a kind of... This has always been trapped inside yeah. me and I just, you let me, let it be free. Some sort of process of taking the role of the other or empathy has kind of squeezed it to the surface like some sort of personality yeah. pustule. Mm. And I'm reminded of a few things like um, First Watch Kid, this, this person that I um, found myself helping a little bit in my outreach days and they one morning after breakfast bounded up to me with an envelope full of first watches very excited that they were going to have their first like furry fursuit made and would I like to help them pick swatches and that felt almost totally out of left field but what I had been noticing for a few weeks was that they were quite clingy and were very drawn to and very keen to participate in some of my more sort of flamboyant affectations and I realized kind of the yeah, that they they found, and I was a highly affected dickhead at this point. They they'd found something to cling on to in in that, and then that had kickstarted something else kind of coming out. So I think there's there's a there's an element, and there was, there was something that similarly I I knew someone that got quite involved. I I had brief flirtation with doing drag, and I knew someone that got sort of quite clingy around that, and then much much later, and I don't think they were related, but I guess there was, there was a bit of commonality they saw much much later ended up coming out as trans. 
Um, and they, they used that sort of as a bridging thing, I think, maybe to help them work through some issues. I, I don't totally know, but it reminded me of this thing that the, 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 a lot of the behaviours I saw in some of the people I interacted with would be quite latch on to e and would seem to be, if not quite copying, then sort of aping the exaggerated bits, kind mm. of definitely getting on board with particular parts of the personality theatre that I found myself engaging with a bit. It is fucking annoying, but usually it's kind of an interstitial stage I found to something else happening, then working through sort of some other identity issues. Like interstitial cystitis? Potentially. That's different, isn't it? I th- I That's th- a wee problem. I'd have to check the chart. Sorry. To the chart. There's a kindness version here, I guess, which is sort of be patient and kind of be mindful. But I don't know, your, your stuff sounds weirder than that. It's like with, the, with the, the votive and the hair and the fact that one of them is probably going to murder you at some point. I also think that rather than wanting to be kind, it sounds like you've probably done your share of being kind. You show a lot of empathy. You've given a lot of the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to go ahead and assume that you're done with that. Um, you, you're done. You're through being kind. And um, it's like my, my grandma always used to say, if you want to get the fuckers, set traps. You talked about emergent traits and things coming out slowly, and this would suggest that the people you're talking about are really internalizing this shit. So can you display some traits that will combine to properly fuck them up when they emerge? This is, this is what we're going to do. We're going to help you set some personality traps. Now, there are, there are, there are many that you could use, but I'm going to focus on OCD. Um, for two reasons. One, it's genuinely horrible. Um, two, it's superficially quite easy to fake. So if you genuinely don't suffer from it, compulsive, the compulsive behaviours should be quite simple to ape a little bit, just enough to get the people going, um, and will absolutely ruin someone's life. I mean, seriously, it's horribly debilitating. Actual OCD is, is, is horrendous, and if you succeed at weaponizing it, you will be a terrible person. So I, I guess it kind of depends how, how annoyed you are with these people. Um, so there are a few sort of components to it, obsessive compulsive disorder. There, there's the well, obsession and the compulsions being frivolous. But one of the main sort of vectors sitting under a lot of it is anxiety about things that might happen. There's also quite a common strand of sort of fear of contamination and contagion. But um, many, many compulsive behaviours are sort of about neutralising an intrusive fear or fear or doing something about an intrusive thought. I have to do X to stop Y happening, for, for example. Kind of a dialed up to 11 risk analysis and mitigation thing that then manifests as, as twitchy compulsive behaviours. There are elements of trying to control your world and elements of mitigating intrusive thoughts. That's kind of some of the structural stuff that's going on here. And the most cliched manifestations obviously are the compulsive activities. And you can start to work some of those in, but it's not going to be convincing if you just go straight there. So what we need to do is also target that um, fear and neutralization, that kind of over-risk mitigation thing. Uh, things like just sort of saying just in case a lot and really talking about risk analysis. Um, if you're about to do something, underscore to these, the people that you're targeting that it, it, it's just in case or, or really kind of talk about, talk about mitigation quite a lot. Um, move straight into, well, straightening things, insisting on symmetry, just very not non-showily, just gradually start by adjusting things on your desk or in the place around you. Really go for symmetry and count things, not too often. Like, be breezy about it. You don't want to be anguished. They're copying you, remember. Um, but just sort of, you know, oh, two of those, yes. And kind of just, just little slightly distracted just things that you can toss out that, that they'll hear. Um, or you could go down the contamination angle. Oh, I don't, want to know. I don't want to touch that. I don't know where it's been. Or I'll just check. Or let's make that up to an even number if you're, say, I don't know, getting a round of drinks. And just, like, you look in- dirty like a dog's mouth. 
say things like that to people. Yeah, actually, that would you can you can start to go a bit higher once you. I do talk. say that to people. Mm. Dirty um, people. So there there are there are a few options. Um, as you as you start to ramp this up, you can yeah go sort of dog's mouth. You can be a bit more explicit about the contamination. I I'd suggest probably picking either risk mitigation or contamination as a strand just to keep your story straight. Um, Although you know in clinical practice you can get both manifesting simultaneously. I just think it might be easier to perform. Yeah. And have less people. Risk people of... care more about the narrative than about convincing mental illness, right? <laughs> Which is why often your own actual mental illness is unconvincing. Probably. So yeah, you can start to work in the other stuff. If you are going with contagion, one of the sort of iconic things, the thing that people be familiar with from mass media, that does or does not affect some people, it's, it's differently common, but it's got that kind of Hollywoodized vibe, is the hand washing. Um, overly and constantly, obsessively washing your hands is one of those sort of things that people strongly associate with, with OCD, um, quite patronizingly. Um, if you actually overly wash your hands, um, it'll make them chapped and painful and horrible, so don't actually do it. Get up and claim to be doing it as often as you can get away with. The best part about this is it'll give you a break from the awful people that you're with. And if it gets boring, you can always just use that downtime for a crafty wank. Mm. Remember, self-care. Once this takes hold, you really need to step it up and get proper surreal. This is how you need to like, properly arm the traps. As they start copying you, they'll work this stuff in. Um, they will start to suffer horribly, their, their lives will degenerate. And you can get proper severe, so, um, like, oh, oh, I've got to wear my turkey hat, it stops the stock market crashing. Or, um, you know, that, that kind of thing, just, just really, really sort of see if you can get them to take on the, the very strangest of this debilitating mental illness you've given. Yeah, anyway. It sort of feels like how much, how often would you have to, to do this? Would you have to sort of do it all the time in case they were watching? Does it go to a sort of channeling Sue place where you have to maintain the performance all the time, otherwise the trick doesn't work? Does being the person who's trying to do it to other people confer any immunity on you from the effects of the thing you're trying to do, or do you also risk your own sanity in the process? I don't know. I mean, you could always write it and tell us. Mm, we'd love to hear. Yeah. But uh, I, I suspect, actually, that unless they're really, really stalking you, unless it's, it's proper where your skin creepy, you'll get a bit of downtime. So yes, that's, that's my fix. Ms. Boyd. Well, I mean, I thought mine was unethical, and then I heard yours. So um, let's just see where we go with this. You mentioned in your letter, imitation being the sincerest form of flattery, but I think I've come up with something that is both more sincere and more flattering. The only catch is you're going to need some equipment. You're going to need some kind of IV kit, you know, needles, tubing, bags, all of the sort of like. You can buy this shit online now. A chloroform rag, that's quite important quite early on in the process. You may will any rag do, or is it a specific? Any rag will do as long as you've also got chloroform separately if you haven't pre-chloroformed your rags, which you mm. might not have. Not everyone's got time to hack their life, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you've got to bring the materials and do it on the fly. Um, depending on the approach you take, and I'll be going into more detail later, you may need a sort of vacuum or some other kind of suction device. You're probably going to want some anticoagulants. You may also wish for, again, you've got a choice of approaches here. You can either go for a big freezer, a big blender and a mould, or a really large sausage skin that is roughly humanoid in size and shape. And you're going to want creativity, imagination and some clothes you don't mind tossing, burning or bleaching as soon as you're done. This sounds like a delightful crafts afternoon. I know. Do it with the brownies. The next time somebody begins doing something weird and creepy to you, first thing you need to do is to ask them if they're afraid of needles. If they say no, just say, sharp scratch, and then carry on with the rest of the instructions. If they say yes, that's when you're whipping out the chloroform rag. 
If they say no and they seem a bit resistant, you might want to go ahead and use the rag anyway. I think at this point it would be a lot better for everyone involved. You know, it's going to be better if they're not struggling. So if you hit even a small amount of resistance, use the rag. The rag is there. Now, again, multiple options at the next stage once they're good and under or just not really paying any attention. If you want to take it a pint at a time for a small serial offender, fine. If they're a long-term boundary trampler, you might want to properly teach them a lesson all in one go. Look at the pint at a time. You've got to get your prep right. Make sure afterwards you're replacing the liquid by volume. This is, you know, there's a reason they give you squash and biscuits after you give blood. If you're taking more than that, you know, give them keep at least four or five pints in them to be getting back on with when you're done. They're going to be feeling rough for a few days. When they wake up, you tell them they've not been well and they need rest and fluids until the end of the week. For a single pint, you can probably get it out and into the bag in one go, even if they're unconscious. You may have to make the squeezing motion of the fist on their behalf just to keep it pumping out, but you can get it all done in probably, you know, 15, 20 minutes. You also might want an assistant to do the pumping for you, but then there's also the chance of things going wrong with the assistant. You know, they might talk about words like consent, morally inexcusable, calling the popo. But at this point, you know, the chloroform rag is multi-purpose. You know what to do with it. If it's the big job, you're going to want a suction device. And this is where the anticoagulants come in now. I was reading about somebody who essentially tried to kind of kill themselves by exsanguination in a fairly foolproof way where they got the suction device to stop, you know, you hear story, horror stories of people waking up in a bath that is just cold and clotted with their own blood and it didn't work and now you're in a bath that is clotted with your own blood, that's a bad scene. This person thought they'd get around it by getting some kind of device to suction the blood out of them but unfortunately that clotted in the tubes while they were unconscious and they woke up in a bath with their own blood and a suction device nearby. So. That's what you want your anticoagulants for. I also have some personal experience of this on the sort of donating platelets end, and it's really good to keep the blood moving around until it's time for its final purpose. You don't want it to start getting too kind of sticky and solid at this point. Now, for a couple of encounters, you should have a decent amount of blood, not probably enough to make a full human-sized blood golem, but definitely enough to make a horrifying, you know, blood golem child creature. Which is where your form factor considerations come in. Now, you've got two options, one of which I'm calling the Versed Versed, also known as the blood sausage child, if you prefer mm. realism. So this is where your sausage skin comes in. You're going to make black pudding out of the blood of your imitators. So you want to block out a basic shape with the skin, tie up all the ends. If you need help with that, there are probably balloon animal videos on YouTube, which will be tonally extremely incongruous with what you're trying to do, but they will teach you how to tie good solid knots in stretchy material. Pour in a decent amount of blood to begin with to get the kind of rough shape and structure of the thing right. You want to be siphoning some of it into the limbs, topping up where necessary. If you just want a really basic blood go, it would be pretty much good at this point. Tie up the top, leave it to clot, job done. If you also want it to be edible, this is where you start dicking around with things like sweated back fat, suet and onions, salt and pepper, that oats, sort of thing. Oats are good. Oats are good, oats are good. Like they said in the 90s. <laughs> it's not true, they didn't say that. How do we feel about adding teeth and skin for realism? You can if you want to. Fingernails. Yes. If you think that would help. But they should probably be clipped from the victim at the same time, because, you know, realism. Plenty of black pepper, too. Yes. Keep it spicy. Muy picante, this sausage. And the other option is what I'm calling the blood snowlum. This is where you're going to need a mould or a freezer. So you want to freeze the blood kind of either in the IV packs you took it out in or old takeaway containers, whatever you've got in the kitchen. 
When it's frozen, you've got to blend it up. Now, at this point, you may also need to adulterate it for added volume. So add in some other kind of frozen liquid, similar consistency, similar colour and stuff. Pack that slush into the mould. If you can get like a cold room or just an old abandoned warehouse overnight, somewhere it's not going to melt too quickly. It will keep your snow looking fresh for longer. Freeze it again when it's in the mould. Pop it out. Admire what you've done. So next time your creepy friends, your pallid and increasingly dizzy friends, start talking about all the Victorian furniture that they've reupholstered lovingly from your pubes, tell them you've been working on a very tender secret project too and whip out Blood Sausage Boy or the Snowlum. And if you go down the snow and route, make sure to invite local children around for slushies. Strawberry sauce hides the iron flavour. Well now, a blood golem. It's jolly, it's been a while. Oh, beat that, Convering. So I, I, I've been thinking about this as a sort of social problem and how people have dealt with imitation in the past. Famously, people like Mark Twain would send pithy letters to, to newspapers and uh, sort of calling out their rivals. And before that, you would, of course, murder someone. It, it went very quickly from murder to letters to the editor. And I think the, the only form by which people call out their imitators these days is the diss track. Mm. The diss track, of course, being a particular form of, of rap where you air your perceived grievances, name your tormentor and list the ways in which you are better than them before releasing this uh, into the world for money. Now you might be thinking a diss track that's a lot of work and I can assure you that it absolutely isn't. You can, you can knock up a perfectly functional diss track in mere hours with the help of friends who just roll their eyes and grudgingly go along with whatever musical projects you suggest to them. Uh, and just a rhyming dictionary and some good old-fashioned gumption. So I will demonstrate this for you now. It's going to drop. If I could get a beat, yo. Fetch the beat. It has come to my attention that you mean to copy me. Hesitate before you imitate, because that is, you see, I'll fucking cut you. I'll fucking cut you. Get right up on inside your grill and gut you. Now you might think you flatter with your lifting of my patter, but that altar that you've made to me is quite another matter. I'll fucking cut you. I'll fucking cut you. Get right up on inside your grill and gut you. You might have started honestly, your intentions simply cute, and yet I fear you mean to strip my skin and wear me as a suit. And so, you know, you must have seen this coming down the track. I fear I must, I know I must. Oh dear, alas, alack. I'll fucking cut you. I'll fucking cut you. Get right up on inside your grill and gut you. Well, golly. I feel positively dissed just sat here. I, I, I think I've taken error effect diss damage. I think, you know, between the, um, the dissing and the blood golem and the horrible mental diseases, we might fix this one good and proper. It does feel very fixed this week. Yes. It's not the most tractable of problems, but I think we've offered a wide range of 
exceptionally practical solutions. Practical, yes. With craft tips. Oh, such tips. And with those tips, just the tips, we will leave you. Goodbye. Mine was over the line, like steal people's blood. But I feel like yours is maybe slightly worse. Then the blood theft. Yeah, then the blood theft. <laughs>